Radio Drome. It's another Radio Drome. This is Alex's topic. So after Alex Jowski does the Adam and Eve promo, Brad Jones and I will tell you what the topic is. Good, because I'm not sure what the topic is. You okayed it! <laughs> Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME. You get 50% off a single item. Free shipping within the United States, three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. All right, so since this was your topic, Alex, explain it to us and to the audience. Okay, so the last two months of the year, November and December, are Oscar rush. And that's when you get all those movies that are Oscar bait, the ones that are trying so hard to be nominated. You get all that for your consideration stuff. And occasionally you get... Well, the pretentious crap that wins Oscars, but you also get stuff that's just pretentious crap. Brad, you said, yeah, this might be an interesting topic, so your thoughts? Oh, well, I mean, like Alex said, it's, yeah, it's the last couple months of the year, and moviegoers and movie critics as well have a rather short attention span, so this certainly is the time of year that different... Movies that certainly want to be very critically acclaimed, they certainly want to get some awards recognition, definitely get put out at this time of year. Because, yeah, it's true. When you watch the Oscars, most of them, most of the major award categories make up movies that were released in the last few, within the last few months of uh, the year. When I think of something that's just purely Oscar bait, because sometimes... I've said this a couple of times in our midnight screening videos. Sometimes I think that the term Oscar bait just gets thrown around and it is kind of overused just to dismiss something that just simply looks good and well-made. In my opinion, something that is purely, by definition, Oscar bait is something that's really 70-80%, maybe even 100% made for the cynical attempt that this is going to get our production company Oscars. Maybe they don't even like the movie all that much, but it's something that has different tropes in it that Academy voters look for, and that's the only reason why it's made. That's what I think of when I think of Oscar bait. Not just something that simply looks like it's a really damn good movie. Something that just looks like it's made for purely shallow reasons. And see, I'll agree with that, because I've heard this term thrown around for movies that I don't think, even though you can kind of see where you go, okay, you as soon as you see the movie, you go, okay, this is going to get nominated for like nine Oscars. But I don't think it was made for that. Something like Boogie Nights. I've heard Boogie uh-huh. Nights called an Oscar bait movie, and I'm going, no, it's just a really good movie that happens to have been nominated for a ton of Oscars. And pretty much, the, that that term gets thrown around pretty much any time Paul Thomas Anderson puts out a movie. And Paul Thomas Anderson is an epic director. He's a really damn good director, and he actually does some really good storytelling. I don't consider him to be just purely making movies simply for Oscar bait. He's actually trying to make a damn good epic, full-scale movie. I can say the same thing about last year's movie... Lincoln. That was a pet project for years for Steven Spielberg. He wanted to make a damn good movie. I don't think it was made just simply 
for shallow reasons of winning an Oscar. Especially since Spielberg said that he would have been okay if it was a cable release. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just wanted the movie made. But Alex, wasn't that actually developed for HBO originally? Before, yeah, it was. Before it went theatrical? I thought it was an HBO TV movie, honestly. Yeah, he, he was developing it for HBO, but they liked what they were seeing, so studio said, let's give this a theatrical release. And, you know, to go back to Paul Thomas Anderson for a second, because I agree with Brad wholeheartedly on that, but the one film that everyone goes to him on as, you made this to win Oscars, was Magnolia. And I can kind of see where they're coming from, because he did take a more deft, artistic touch with Magnolia on the same token, there's a point to that in the movie that I don't think is pretentious. I read the published screenplay for Magnolia, and it had an intro from Paul Thomas Anderson that went on for pages to where you could see exactly what he was thinking when he made it, and it was not to win awards. He had a story to tell, and he wanted to tell it this specific way. Yeah, I mean, the term pretentious doesn't automatically equal bad, necessarily. It's just a word that gets thrown around whenever a really bad pretentious movie comes out. Terrence Malick. But the one that really brought the topic to mind for me was The Book Thief. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, The Book Thief. Like, Dave is the one that got that trailer before, before any of us did. And I hadn't heard of the movie until Dave started talking about it. And Dave was sort of describing it. And the way he was describing it in, I think it was when he went to go see Captain Phillips. The way he was describing it, I was like, yeah, okay, it just sounds kind of like, you know, like a a typical, like, Holocaust-era drama. But then when I actually saw the trailer for it, look, I don't know. The movie could turn out to be just fine it it could i don't know i am just only going for the i'm only speaking towards the trailer i'm only speaking towards the vibe that trailer throws out and the vibe that 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 trailer throws out is please for the love odd give us all of the oscars all of them even best animated film screw it give us that oscar too i mean for the love of god the shallow tugging at the heartstrings moments that this trailer has it looks like if you were to make a spoof trailer for an Oscar bait movie. And yeah, like well, it gets the... me one more thing that gets me about that trailer too is that it, that trailer has a bunch of critical quotes on it. Aren't talking about the movie. They're talking about the book. Making a book into a movie is also a, a Oscar baity tactic too. I mean, hell, there's summer blockbusters that are based on books. But this also has almost everything that you think of for an Oscar bait movie. And again, just like Brad, all I've seen is the trailer, so it's got the epic score, you've got this cast of respected thespians, you've got the trailer is edited in such a way that... You've got the Holocaust? Well, yeah, you've got the Holocaust, but it's edited in such a way that I, I think it's trying to make the story look more epic than the movie actually will be. Yeah. During the Holocaust, learning to read, book burning, all of this stuff, and it's flashing all these quotes on there from critics saying magnificent, spectacular, but they're all quotes that are literally from reviews about the book. They're not pertaining to the movie in any way, shape, or form. And the voiceover on the trailer literally (laughs) says, words will inspire her. She's going to learn what hope is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, you know what? After seeing that trailer, I started to think about something. Because 
making a non-exploitation Holocaust movie is kind of Oscar Beatty right there. But I started to think, is there an entire cottage industry in Hollywood that's all about supplying Nazi uniforms and Nazi flags specifically for Oscar movies? Specifically for movies in general. I mean, there's been an there was an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when a Nazi uniform popped up on it. They're not that hard to find. The Book Thief, that absolutely. But then you've you've got ones like Terrence Malick or or even Captain Phillips. I have not seen the film yet. Just based off the trailer, when I did my trailer park review of the Captain Phillips trailer, I said this movie looks designed to get Tom Hanks an Oscar that like it's almost like Tom Hanks won't take a role anymore unless he goes, you know what? I might win an Oscar for this one. Yes, I'm in. That no, seems no, to be no, the no. reason. No, 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 no. Yeah, because I'm so sure he went into Larry Crown thinking he was going to win an Oscar. I don't even know what that one is, so. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, so I don't know if that's a fart comedy or what. He was snubbed for the man with one red shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Splash? he knows you're alone. Larry Crown was a romantic comedy that came out like last year, the year before, with him and Julia Roberts. I never even saw a trailer for that thing, man. Didn't it didn't do very well? Apparently, Jeez. but I, I do think I I do think that that trailer for Captain Phillips and really Dave's the only one I know who doesn't like that movie. I I haven't seen it. I've I've heard it's a pretty good movie. It looks like a movie that was. You know, it looks like a Paul Greengrass thriller, quite honestly. I do think that the vibe that the trailers were throwing out was that it was kind of Tom Hanks's comeback movie in a way. Not that, you know, he's been gone that long, but the, certainly the last few movies that Tom Hanks had out before Captain Phillips were slightly polarizing. What about that one that just screamed, give me an Oscar, that extremely close and loud or something like that 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 one oh yeah th- th- that movie was designed to get everyone on the cast an oscar i think i called it in my trailer park oscar bait the movie yeah that was that was that's way more oscar bait than captain phillips is captain phillips i think they were legit they're legitimately trying to make like a damn good movie, regardless of the fact that it's going to win any Oscars. Something like Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. It has a kid whose grandparents were in the Holocaust. His dad dies in 9-11. He has a relationship with an older man who's either mute or deaf or one of the two. I can't remember. And the kid's name is literally Oscar. That's the definition of subtlety. It's like that, that sketch or that episode of American Dad when Roger was intentionally trying to make the saddest movie ever made in order to win Oscars, and it was about a mentally challenged kid during the Holocaust, and the kid's name and the title of the movie was Oscar Gold. Well, now, do you think something like Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, do you think that there is something, do you think that that's why the movie was made, or do you think they went into it with real aspirations to make a good movie that might also be an Oscar winner, or did they just go, I want to win an Oscar. I think it was all Oscars because you've got Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock as the cast. It's directed by Stephen Daldry, who directed other Oscar movies like The Hours and The Reader. It's written by Eric Roth, who wrote Forrest Gump and Benjamin Button, and it's also produced by Scott Rudin. They they were setting out to get an Oscar. And it's insane that it was even nominated. What isn't... 
isn't it like one of, at least in, let's say, the last 25 years, isn't it like the lowest reviewed movie to get nominated for Best Picture? Like, this thing got nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, and it was sitting at like a 40 on Rotten Tomatoes. There were worst movies of the year list where that popped up as number one. I did see that on a lot of this movie sucks lists, yeah. Okay, what about something where there are certain tropes that are for Oscar bait? Like, when I saw that Glenn Close, the, the trailer for that movie, Albert Knobs, she's playing a woman who's pretending to be a man in a period piece that then falls in love with a rich woman, so you've got a lesbian story, you've got a cross-gender story, you've got a period piece, you've got a character drama, everything about the trailer screamed, Oscar! I don't know if the lesbian trope screams Oscar bait. The way they <laughs> did it in the trailer, it kind of made, like, okay, they're, they're trying to play this real classy. And yeah, I'm not a classy guy. I'd prefer, I prefer my lesbians, you know, real sleazy and dirty. I'm sure you do, too. He, um, I, I, I don't know. My mom's kind of ruined lesbian porn for me. I can see that. <laughs> Alex, as the gay man, your thoughts on lesbians? They exist. It's not that they're they're nice at the bar. We were joking about it on Facebook before we recorded this. Like you play a retarded person, you play an ugly person, you play a loser, you play a mentally a mentally challenged person, you play someone with AIDS, you play a transgender. There are certain roles that just scream Oscar bait, don't they? You, you know, I mean, depending on how they're done. If it's done for for what looks like purely cynical reasons, just to get the movie some attention for an, a particular actor, like say for instance a a pretty trite movie like I Am Sam or Radio, for instance. I, see, I was thinking Radio. That that's the one yeah. that bugs me the most. Even the DVD. My wife has that on DVD, and the DVD has footage of the real guy, and he doesn't act anything like what Cuba Gooding Jr. acts like in the movie. It was almost like Cuba Gooding said. If I act relatively normal, I'm not getting an Oscar nod out of this. Yeah, like, I mean, um, something like that, I, I sort of envision, and something like that I, I picture more as, like, Oscar bait towards, like, a particular actor, maybe not necessarily for the movie itself. I don't know if something like I Am Sam or Radio were made with the aspirations that it was going to get nominated for, like, ten Oscars, but certainly in terms of a person's acting, I mean, that that's just one of those kind of roles when when done dramatically it always kind of throws out that vibe of that person probably wants to at least get an oscar nomination and when it's done rather cynically like that or over the top and kind of unbelievable it 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 just i don't know it just makes the movie look rather silly and unnecessarily pretentious in that regard but then again you also have other movies of course where you know that did win oscars whether it was for a person about AIDS, whether it was for a person playing a mentally challenged guy like Philadelphia or Forrest Gump, where the performance absolutely works for that movie and and absolutely throws out a good dramatic vibe from it. I mean, Forrest Gump certainly has a lot of funny parts in it, and the funny parts that are funny I do find genuinely humorous, and then when it's actually serious, uh, it is pretty a pretty serious movie. I, I personally like Philadelphia better. I think Philadelphia has aged better, but those I think are good examples of somebody kind of taking on a role that yeah, let's face it, was probably going to end up getting nominated for an Oscar. 
you also have like Tropic Thunder really makes fun of that trope with that movie within the movie Simple Jack being yeah. the same kind of thing that I Am Sam wanted to be. Yeah. And like the worst we have retards in our movie give us the Oscar I've ever seen was The Other Sister, that one with Juliette oh. Lewis, Giovanni Ribisi. What, oh, come on. What about The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville? <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, you know what? Okay. G- Giovanni Ribisi plays a retard more than he, he probably should before, before it gets offensive, but he's a great actor who, I don't know if this is an insult to him or not, seems to slip in and out of those type of roles pretty effortlessly. Well, I mean, and, and and just looking at the trailer for that movie, it was like one step closer to being the handyman sketch on In Living Color. Exactly. <laughs> Which then... I love. I love politically incorrect humor. I absolutely do. So when I saw that trailer, I was kind of like, hey, you know what? I might go see that. <laughs> yeah, but, but then you also have ones where, in the case I'm about to bring up, I don't think the actor was necessarily pretentious at this point. I don't even really think he is today as much as he might come off like one. But sometimes it's just the right career move. For instance, when Leonardo DiCaprio did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, he took that role and turned down what probably was a surefire paycheck role for Hocus Pocus. As long as he accepted Critters 3, it's all good. But but so like something like What's Eating Gilbert Grape, I think it was a great career move because not only not only did DiCaprio fucking kill it in that movie, but it was okay. I could do a safe Disney comedy or actually try and grow as an actor. I don't think he took that to go. I think I'm going to get an Oscar nod out of this. I think he took what's eating Gilbert Grape for. I really want to try something different in my uh, career. And if his other choice was Hocus Pocus, I think he picked Gilbert Grape because Hocus Pocus is a piece of shit. But it was a big moneymaker. Hocus Pocus made a lot more money than Gilbert Grape did, and he would have then been contracted with Disney. So that's why I'm saying it was probably a wise career move to turn down Hocus Pocus for Gilbert Grape. Yeah, absolutely it was. But what's eating Gilbert Grape also plays on another trope of having child actors in movies where content is far above them to try and get like the best supporting actor for a kid. Like, you've had that since Tatum O'Neill and Paper Moon. You had Anna Paquin in The Piano. You had that, that black girl with the funky hair last year. I can't even remember Abig- her name. Abigail Breslin is one that just kills me. Abigail Breslin, <laughs> I, you know, I first saw her in Signs, but then she showed up on, like, a Law & Order and an episode of Hack and a, an NCIS and that. She the is a, Miss Sunshine. Yeah, but she is an actress that is far beyond her years. I mean, w- when she was six years old, she was killing it more than these 20-year veterans. So I think yeah. sometimes you get those act, those child actors that just have it. Which is freaking rare. It is, but when you got ones like... Because I, I thought this was, was, was funny. Right after Abigail Breslin wins the Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine, her next project, Zombieland. I'm like, you know what? That shows an actual lack of pretension, doesn't it? Yeah, right. She was also in The Call. Yeah, so it's like, that to me shows she's a little more grounded into the reality of not, well, I only do Oscar movies now, like some actors tend to do. Once they yeah, uh, like, uh, what's his face, Haley Joel Osment from from uh, The Sixth Sense. Yeah, he screamed uh, pretension in his post-Sixth Sense career. AI, and, and yeah, and it was they weren't even really that good choices. They were certainly... Oscar bait choices in terms of the roles he was playing, whether it was 
yeah, AI, you know, here's a Spielberg movie with a story by Stanley Kubrick, and here's, and then that, dear God, did that turn out to be a polarizing film? I actually don't think it's that bad, but it's certainly divisive. I think the middle 25 minutes are pretty good. I think any scene with Jude Law is fantastic in that movie. Jude Law is quite good. Yeah, he, he he does kind of steal the the film, but Haley Joel and the entire third act blow that whole movie for I me. Sh- I really like AI and think it should have ended when he's under the water talking to the blue fairy. Everybody everything, thinks that. Everything yeah. after that is horrid. And, and like, I don't even know if let's say the movie actually did end there. Let's say the movie actually did end there with him in front of the the fairy talking to her. I would have left that theater going, well, that was freaking abrupt. Honestly, I might not have been in that good of a mood had it actually ended like that, because if it actually ended like that, I wouldn't have known that in in an alternate universe, the ending was that weird, futuristic freaking thing they did in the last 20 minutes of it. Yeah, between those two endings, yeah, I would have, I think the better choice would have been if he was with the fairy, but if I didn't know that my alternate choice was... Even dumber. the one that we got, yeah, I, 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 I just don't know. But there was, remember, remember, pay it forward. I was gonna say I've never seen that movie except, but I've heard nothing good about Pay It Forward. It was, it was the extremely loud, incredibly close of its time. Oh, was it was it? pretty bad. Okay. I watched that in theaters. They even killed the kid and everything. They, they were trying. What about when an actor who is known for, let's just say, exploitative material in the example i'm going to give and i think once you figure out what actor i'm talking about brad you'll go yeah mildly moves on to more serious material with an actor like woody allen how andrew dice clay is in two movies that look like they're oscar bait this year is that a career move or is that just i finally want to be taken seriously i don't know dice has kind of done stuff like that throughout the years i mean yeah certainly now it's getting slightly more attention because they're Woody Allen movies, but Dice in the 90s had a family sitcom. I mean, he popped up in, like, a couple of dramas every now and then. Dice has never always just been the Dice Man's movies and in his shows. So I when I, when I saw that Dice was in a Woody Allen movie, I was maybe taken aback, and not in a bad way, but I was maybe taken aback from... Just the fact it's Dice in a Woody Allen movie, not necessarily that it's Dice playing a more serious role. With with Louis C.K. in the same movie too. Right. Yeah. Another actor who I've seen. You don't you don't picture before. working with Woody Allen, you know? Uh, I can picture Louis C.K. working with Woody Allen. That that seems like a match that makes sense. But on that same topic of like comedians playing against their usual thing. Like, you had Jim Carrey, he got that Golden Globe for Truman Show, and the very next year he does The Majestic, and that movie was Oscar-based. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't think that that was even that bad of a movie, but it was, you could tell that, like, it, it's entirely possible that Jim Carrey really wanted to pick a movie, really wanted to get a nomination for, whether it was, b- because he got, well, because he got snubbed for for both Truman Show and Man on the Moon, which I thought he was great in both movies. I thought he was also great in The Majestic. I mean, I... Jim Carrey's a great actor, even if the movies might not end up being such. He is a great actor, and he's by far and away... He by far and away carries The Majestic. He's the best part of the movie. Watching him on screen, he's great. And yeah, I, I believe that he 
that he picked that movie because he he really wanted to get some serious attention that maybe he got passed up on on his previous couple of movies. But even with that being said, I mean, he wasn't really too terribly cynical about it in that he certainly didn't sleepwalk through the movie. It is a damn good performance. He he puts a lot he puts a lot into that movie. Yeah, I'm saying more of how that movie itself was marketed. Oh, absolutely. How about how about something along that same lines where you have a comedian trying to branch out? How about something like Robin Williams with Goodwill Hunting, or, uh-huh. or or even What Dreams May Come, which I, it, when you kind of look at some of the making of, I don't know if it was hubris or not, but they kind of had Oscar contentions with that. They kind of they, wanted they had Oscar to make an Oscar movie. But too bad What Dreams May Come is a horrible, horrible, unwatchable shit. Yeah, it's a bad movie, but there, what, what there about is, Robin Williams, Brad? It's well, what dreams may come. It's it's a beautiful looking movie. It was certainly a shoe in for visual effects. There was just one too many goddamn twists in that movie. Just, I think well, I think they wanted the direction, best picture, best screenplay, and best uh-huh. actor kind of thing because you kind of got this vibe. Because really, Robin Williams has to carry that whole movie almost by himself. Robin Williams. Robin Williams, I think, is an actor that more or less just kind of chooses what he's in a particular mood to do. I I don't think that he went into Goodwill Hunting with the attitude that he's definitely going to get a nomination out of this. He's always had a career, even before he did stuff that was kind of critically acclaimed. He'd he'd always kind of had a career that was a mixture of comedy and drama, and sometimes both, like with Good Morning Vietnam. Or in the early mid-80s with Moscow on the Hudson. I mean, he is an actor that one minute will do a slapstick comedy and another minute will do one-hour photo or you know, like a really dark comedy with Death to Smoochie. He's one always kind of... was good. Yeah, yeah you, was. Want a, you want an Oscar Beatty movie with Robin Williams in it that fell on its face, go with Patch Adams. Go with uh, Jacob the Liar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was, wasn't that basically a remake of Day the Clown Cried? Not necessarily. Or, or, or no, no, I'm thinking of Life is Beautiful, sorry. Uh, uh, oh, that Jacob the Liar is kind of like Life is Beautiful? No, I, I think uh, one of those, Jerry Lewis gave an interview that he said, uh, they basically remade my movie and it won Oscars. I, it was either Jacob the Liar or Life is Beautiful. That and is, it was Life is Beautiful because that one won Oscars. Okay, then, yeah, it was Life is Beautiful is basically a remake of Day the Clown Cried. So is Life is, Life so is Beautiful was... was marketed to win Oscars. It was oh, you could tell from the trailer. They gave, it, they gave it a release in December in the States. And then um, yeah. Jacob the Liar wasn't, though. That one came out, like, the next February. They, oh, they yeah. had no aspiration for that thing. Okay. I think they realized that they had kind of a turkey on their hand uh, with <laughs> that. And there's another one, too, that's... Uh, it's called Adam Resurrected with Jeff Goldblum that has a plot that's extremely similar to Day the Clown Cried, even more so than the plot of Life is Beautiful. Well, I mean, look, let's face it. Uh, Jerry Lewis wanted Day the Clown Cried to be his Oscar moneymaker. Yeah, until but, he found out that it was ungodly offensive and the tone was kind of insulting. Well, no... I mean, like, I don't know, maybe he kind of feels that way now, but there were actual legal issues as to why it couldn't get released. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about an interview he gave, like, two or three years ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his attitude on it anymore is is very good, but that was a labor of love for him. Like, he, dear God, did he want... And you know what? 
I fully believe that his performance in that movie is probably pretty damn good. The movie itself, I don't know. Like, from the six people who have seen it, they said it's not very good. A, a but... bunch of footage dubbed in Finnish has leaked out on the internet. Yeah, and when you look at that footage, honestly, it's not bad material. Like, when he's doing, like, a, the clown shtick and whatnot, he's really good. I mean, it's, of course, I mean, it's Jerry Lewis. He's done that in however many movies, and he's good at it, but... Even other things, too. When you have, like, him covered in dust and ash, and he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, I fully believe that regardless of the movie, he probably turns in a really solid freaking performance in that movie. Because Jerry Lewis, when he goes serious, he is good. Like, king of comedy. What about, then, a, a movie, or, I, or in this case, not necessarily a movie, a genre, that seems to be so shunned by the Oscars that whenever they make a horror movie that that they think is Oscar caliber, the studio goes out of their way to not label it horror. Like, go back and listen to some of the special effects guys who to talked about what happened to Silence of the Lambs, how throughout the entire making of Silence of the Lambs, this was a horror film. Fangoria's covering it as a horror film. It's a horror, horror, horror. Then once the studio saw it and said, this thing's so good we might win Oscars, it was, no, 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 no. It's a psychological thriller. And they, they absolutely, even in their press materials, people who got preview screenings were not allowed to call it a horror film. Yeah, that's because before Silence of the Lambs won, do you know the last movie that was a horror that won before that? Exorcist. No, Exorcist that didn't, didn't win Oscars. Win Best Picture. Exorcist Dr. Didn't Jekyll win Best and Mr. Hyde ah, from like the okay. 30s. Because, but yeah, I mean, what does that say that, oh, a horror film cannot be... Oscar bait that uh, it's got to be a psychological thriller that somehow horror is not good enough to make the and Oscars psych- anymore. And now psychological thriller kind of, you know, when, that's kind of the genre you think of now when it happens to involve a cop who's tracking down a killer or maybe it's about somebody somebody with multiple personality dis- personality disorder or something like that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with calling a psychological thriller a subgenre of horror. I don't, because horror itself has various subgenres, and that certainly provides a distinction between something like Silence of the Lambs and a slasher film. But like uh, Silence of the Lambs, Greg Nicotero went on a rant in the Going to Pieces documentary where he was like, it's about a guy that eats other people and wears their faces and another guy who's kidnapping fat women to make their to make a suit out of their skin. He's like, it's a goddamn horror film the same yeah. as Sleepaway Camp or Friday the 13th. Well, it's a different type of horror film because while both movies have cert- have s- certain similarities like between Science of the Lambs and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're both not the same kind of movie. Yeah, they're both horror, certainly. But whereas one is more of a horror thriller in the sense that it's also kind of like a cop movie and a and a investigative thriller like that, you know, the other one is a <laughs> disturbing ass borderline slasher film. I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying there's a difference between those two movies, even though they are both technically based on the same killer. So is Psycho. But all three of those movies can't be farther apart from each other. Ah, completely... uh, Wisconsin's own Eddie Gein. I only, yeah, live yeah. A few, I only live a few hours from his town where his house used to stand. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is certainly a distinction between all three of those movies. 
But yeah, I mean, you're right. Horror certainly, it unfortunately has a negative stigma to it in terms of Oscar movies. Um, it, it does, and and that's entirely snobbish, and it's completely unfortunate. I don't know if that's something that'll ever change over time. I mean, I I, I don't know. But yeah, that that is unfortunate. But at the same time, look, I mean. With Silence of the Lambs, I mean, how rare is it even nowadays for a movie to win Best Picture when the movie was released in, like, February or March or whenever Silence of the Lambs was released? And Silence of the Lambs is a damn good movie. It's a it's a fantastic movie. I still prefer Manhunter, but that's just a pers- that's just a personal thing. I'm with you on that. I prefer Manhunter. I think the last time I saw a non-Oscar rush release win Best Picture was Gladiator. Yeah, that was a, that was summertime, was it? Yeah, that, was that came out May. That was like the first week of summer blockbuster yeah. hits. But then you, you've got other ones where once you've got like an Oscar cast, you know, you've got look at the trailer for North Country. No matter what you think of the movie, you you've got Academy Award winner Sissy Spacek, Academy Award winner Charlize Theron, Academy Award nominee Woody Harrelson. I mean, like, literally everyone on the cast, except for Sean Bean, has Academy Award winner or nominee for their name. I mean, they do that They do that with movies that even aren't necessary. I've seen movies do that with, like, action films and, like, genre thrillers and stuff. But, I don't but think you've that's... Got, but you've got some of the people who have that who refuse to exploit it. Like, a lot of people don't seem to remember that John Carpenter is an Oscar winner. And some of his larger films, when he was working for the bigger studios in the late 80s, early 90s, they wanted to put Oscar winner John Carpenter uh, on the trailers. And he was like, no. Yeah, did respect, you know. I mean, people have the choice to do that or not. And I think or- it's fine, whatever they choose. I always feel so sorry for the guy, because there's always, like, one guy on the trailers for those who, like, is hasn't been nominated for anything. But like so, the North Country one with Sean Bean is the only one without that in front of his name. I know, right? And I was feel so bad. That, that was the case with Prisoners. It was like Academy Academy Award nominee Hugh Jackman, Academy Award nominee Jake Gyllenhaal, Academy Award nominee Terrence Howard, and Paul Dano. You have like a lot of times with Ben Affleck, you know, Academy Award winner Ben Affleck. I'm like, yeah, he won an award. He won but for it typing, wasn't for... not acting. <laughs> it was for writing. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, it's technically true. He is an Academy Award winner. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of a little Trojan horsey, a little bit. And I like Ben Affleck just fine. But yeah. whenever I see that, I'm kind of like, cool, well, yeah. it, like, well, it's it was for writing, not not acting. But and, then you also have genres that, specific genres that are Oscar bait. Like the last two months of the year, you see a lot of biopics. Quirky indie comedies. That aren't really quirky indie comedies. But, like, okay, obviously the Nebraska movie hasn't even come out yet at the time we're recording this. But just looking from at the trailer, I'm going, this is going to get nominated for about seven Oscars. Whether it's any good or not, this Nebraska movie with Bruce Dern is an Oscar bait movie to me. It looks like it was made because they said these are this is the kind of film that wins Oscars. It's in black and white because art. Yeah, given who's making the movie though, you know, he he typically makes Alexander Payne typically makes movies that are they, they can certainly be quirky and And Bruce Dern's awesome. Yeah, in indie and whatnot, but he still puts out he still more often than not puts out a really good product. 
I'll bet you, if anything, Bruce Dern will get nominated for it. If his performance in the movie is anything like his performance in the trailer, probably. Yeah, yeah. like, like to me, like, the one that just looks sickeningly quirky indie in a freaking gag-me way is that one that's a quirky romance about freaking Siri. What? It's, it's, it's the new Spike Jones movie. Okay, I, I haven't even seen the trailer for that. It's called... It's called a her. It's called a her. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm not even kidding, man. I got <laughs> I I got this trailer in front of prisoners. It's a quirky Spike Jones. Look at me. I'm so goddamn clever. Movie where Joaquin Phoenix is having a relationship with freaking Siri, and it's voiced by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> okay, that just screams pretension to me, and I haven't even seen the trailer yet! It screams pretension to me when I saw Spike Jones's name on there. So Jesus. this is basically Spike Jones makes that, that Simone movie. Simone that sucked! Had... <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. This this looks much... Yeah, but Simone looked like it was just kind of a goofy... Simone was... I, I've seen Simone, and Simone was just kind of a goofy comedy. I don't know if anyone really thought that was going to necessarily win many awards when they released Simone. I don't think Simone was meant to be deep. Yeah, I I don't either. I think it was I think it was supposed to be certainly satirical, but not I don't know if they really made that sweep award season in the way that like the dude's previous movie Truman Show did. This one though, look, I'm not that I'm not that huge of a Spike Jones fan to begin with, and it's Mainly for reasons like this, because he makes pretentious movies about love stories about Siri. Falling in love is a crazy thing to do. It's kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. What does a baby computer call its father? I don't know what. Data. It's so quiet. <laughs> it's dark. You feel me with you right now. I've never loved anyone the way I love you. Me too. Now we know how. What probably, I don't know, the ultimate Oscar bait movie that fell on its face is probably Heaven's Gate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay, um, and, and Brad, according to the comments, we seem to find a way to make a Heaven's Gate reference in almost every episode. Because, well, it, you know what? Whenever it's Heaven's kind Gate, of a landmark movie, in a way. It is, it is, and whenever it does come up, it is pertinent to what we're talking about. I mean, Heaven's Gate is a movie that was made because he swept the Oscars. Because Chimino swept the Oscars. They're like, whatever you want to do next, buddy, go for it. Blank check. Here you go. Give us a freaking product. And I, I firmly believe that Michael Cimino really wanted... Honestly, I think the movie is... I've said it many times. I don't think the movie's bad. I think it's a fine movie. Cimino really wanted that... He, he, he wanted that to be his Ben-Hur, man. I mean, he wanted that to be his his epic, his sprawling... His Gone with the Wind. His This is going to be one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it turned out that way. But yeah, in terms of the film's producers and the people backing it, Absolutely, they wanted to get some statues for that movie. You know, that's why they went ahead and wrote the guy a blank check to 
that's you know that's how this movie goes from a four million dollar budget to a forty million dollar budget. Well, did you think then sometimes, and I, the case I'm specifically talking about is a producer you and I love, but in the '80s I think he was delusional to think this. Do you think that Dino De Laurentiis was just had lost his mind when he actually put in some of the press materials for Dune? that he thinks Dune was going to be nominated for Best Picture. Was he delusional, or was that just selling point? Dino De Laurentiis, regardless of whether he thought the movie, any of his movies really, were going to get nominated, were going to get any Oscars, at the end of the day, regardless of that, I think that Dino De Laurentiis is the kind of producer who still wanted to put out a really cool movie, who still really wanted to put out a good product, a fun product, but, but Dune, is, just looking at the final product, there was no way that was ever going to get nominated for an Oscar, other, outside of maybe special effects. I mean, sometimes you don't know that at the time. You know, you look at something that's your baby, you're looking you're looking at it through rose-colored glasses, you know, you put up a lot of money about Dune, and it's a pet project for you, and you're looking at it with that point of view, you're probably seeing an epic that's up there with caliber of Star Wars, which was nominated for Best Picture. I can see how he would look at that product and think that, hey, maybe this is going to be my Star Wars. Maybe this is going to get, maybe this is at least going to get a few nominations. I mean, it didn't, but when you look at it from his point of view, I can, I can kind of see why maybe he'd be fooling himself a little bit that that would, that that would happen. But even with that being said, I don't, I still don't think that he made a movie like that for purely cynical reasons. I do think Dino De Laurentiis whether he's making a horror film, whether he's making a thriller or a really weirdo drama, he's still he was still the kind of producer who just he wants to give you a lot of bang for your buck. He wants to put out a really really cool movie. He was probably proud of the movie. I you know, cuz sci-fi rarely ever gets Oscar stuff. I mean, if you think a sci-fi movie's going to get Oscars, you must really really have some faith in that because like Nobody expected Star Wars to get nominated for anything, more or less even break even. Well, uh, well, in the case of Star Wars, no. Even 20th Century Fox was like, wait, people are going to see this movie? What? I mean, Sigourney Damnation Weaver. Alley. That's exactly, Damnation Alley was where all their money was. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver getting nominated for Alien, that took people off guard because what, sci-fi? That doesn't normally happen. Dumb. It's the sci-fi project that that you don't get nominated for traditionally. Did Linda Hamilton get nominated for Terminator 2? Uh, I do not know. Alex, look that up. She's but... never been nominated for an Oscar, okay. but she did okay. win the um the MTV Movie Award for Terminator 2. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite the that, same thing. That must have been what I was thinking. Hey, you know what? Uh, the MTV Movie Awards of the 1990s, not a bad award show, really. You, you, had, you had movies like you had movies like Seven winning Best Picture. That's not Yeah, bad. that's before they became like the anti-Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, they're, when Twilight's winning Best Picture. They're basically, the MTV Movie Awards nowadays are basically the Razzies, except they like the movies. <laughs> but, but then sometimes, I still haven't seen the movie, just because I've got it, but I have not had time to see it yet. That Frank Langella movie, uh, Frank and the Robot, I think it is, that to me screamed, this is an Oscar bait picture, but it also, just judging from the trailer, said to me, this is also a really personal picture that when you hear Frank Langella talk about it, he really, really wanted to do this, and I don't think he went into it going, yeah, I'm going to get an Oscar nod out of this. 
I'll have to take your word on that. I don't know what the hell movie that is. So, so to me, Oscar bait really comes down to we want to make this movie to win an Oscar rather than we want to make a great movie and it'd be nice if we won an Oscar. That, to me, is where the distinction comes. And I think the distinction between the first of those, where we make the movie to win an Oscar, is frankly, you've lost a point of... I, I wouldn't say you're no longer an artist, but I would say you've lost sight of what the art was supposed to be. You're, you're more interested in the accolades than the art itself. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's like I said at the beginning of the show. I, I think that you really have to make that distinction when you throw the term Oscar bait out because it is an overused term. It tends to get for really anything that just looks like it's a really good kind of epic movie that, yeah, probably will get nominated for some awards. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It could still be a damn good movie. And Magnolia is a great movie, but... Yeah, Magnolia is a great movie. It, it, it's a fantastic movie. And when you saw the trailer for Magnolia, you kind of figured, like, okay, this movie will probably get brought up again come award season. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it could be a compliment towards the movie, that it's probably really that damn good of a movie. But yeah, the, to me, the term Oscar bait needs to just purely be used when... I, I totally agree with what you just said. When it's done for a purely cynical reason of this movie might get us some statues. Okay, so Naked Gun 33 and a third at the Oscars in that movie. <laughs> they're reading the categories and like one of them, they give the synopsis of the movie. It's like the the tale of a woman overcoming the loss of her dog during the Hindenburg disaster. I'd, I'd watch that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> I would still watch that. The fact that we have all these tropes that people will make movies to those tropes in a cynical attempt to get Oscars, I don't like that. I think, you know, there should be a broader look at... The Academy should look broader at movies so they don't... People aren't crafting films to those tropes. Where can we find Brad and Lloyd, who has been remarkably quiet, even though he's on Brad's lap this week, because apparently Lloyd really likes Rob Zombie from last week. <laughs> uh, you can find me at thecinemasnob.com. Where can we find the Marquis de Suede? The real Marquis de Suede. At geekjuicemedia.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com or my website 1201beyond.com. And I'm also at the same geekjuicemedia.com. And you know what? I'm totally fine with Radio Drum never being nominated for an award. They're all for pretentious pussies anyway.
Beyond is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.